You're very welcome to Wade In as we look back on the weekend's action. Plus, gone the Scottish Grand National, the Guineas Trials at Leperstown as well, plus other races of note. We're also going to answer all your list of questions as we do over Monday in the company of Mr. Kevin Blake. How are you, Quivine? I'm all good, Hugo. All good. Ready for another week and a big week it is. Yes, yes, very much so. Entry, of course, uh, rolling on nicely. We'll talk about the ground and the possible weather connotations in a few minutes' time. But Tony Calvin, you're well, I presume? I am. <clears throat> you had a nice day out with your grandson on Saturday. Uh, where did you go? Uh, Women of Village. Had a, we had a few up there. Lovely. And uh, yeah, I had a quiet one yesterday, so... Uh, Excellent. All perky and ready to go. Lovely. Good stuff. Uh, perky as ever, Miss Vanessa. Ryle, how are you? All good? Yeah, good, good. I had quite a big weekend on the lash, so yeah, feeling oh. it now, but all good. Good, good. And we've got the sultry, uh, sultry, dark Vanessa Ryle, and I know that's my favourite version of, of on the podcast, so hopefully we get a lot of shit back for any shit that we throw out our way, as always. <laughs> right, we kick off, um, shall we, with the... <laughs> Um, we might as well start with an episode, actually, um, Kev, because I guess a couple of interesting results. Um, Homeless Songs for me was the takeout performance of the weekend. I'd be very interested in her. But let's start off with um, Piz Badil and Buckaroo, who I saw Joseph sp- speak about after the race, said delighted with the run in terms of, I guess, an opening run of the season. Maybe disappointed not to actually get the win, Kev. But um, overall, your reflections on what was a, a cracking finish to the race? Um, yeah, sure. Super race now. Um Buckaroo traded at 100 to 1 on in running. Um, it looked like he was sweeping there to come and win, and just his Badil um, fought back. I'd say they're two good calls, Hugh. Yeah. Um, like Buckaroo is a horse that Joseph has always loved. Um, I thought it was a huge run and defeat. Like he's a big, big, burly colt that was kind of always going to come on from the run. And um, like, like I think he probably surprised Shane a little bit when he asked to give him a little squeeze. He surprised him at how well he picked up because if you look back to his run in the Group One in France last year, he kind of he was made look a bit slow because they went steady and he just thought he got going too late. But he showed a fair bit of pace here now, and um, he had a very different passage around to the winner. Like the winner got beautiful splits up the inside, was covered up, ground saving route the whole way, whereas mm. Buckaroo had to go around the houses. Um, I am clearly a bit biased, but but I love Buckaroo's run, and um, these two are likely to meet again. Uh, back at Leopardstown in uh, what used to be called the Darrenstown Derby Trial. I think it's got a different sponsor now. And yeah. that's one I would very much look forward to now. But um, I think they're two potentially very nice calls. And if you if you ask me which one I wanted to take home with me, um, it would be Buckaroo. Right. Well, I'll, I'll put that to our second foremost betting expert on the podcast, me being the foremost, Tony Calvin of the two, <laughs> 16 to 1 is Badil and 25 to 1. Buckaroo for a derby. Which of those would interest you more as a betting prospect now? Yeah, a great look at the derby, to be honest with you. Uh, get Aintree out of the way. But yeah, mate, I went back and had a look at the video. Didn't watch any racing live on Saturday. And yeah, you have to be ha- taken by Buckaroo. Uh, again, I'm not sure about strength for the form, but they did pull clear of a, a, a decent horse in third, albeit under, run under a penalty. And you look at Buckaroo's pedigree, there's, you know, there's plenty of stamina in there. I know he's a fast net rock, but a fast net rock has as side a, a classic winner in recent years in qualify and mm-hmm. plenty of other stamina besides that in there. But yeah, I think we're always taken by a horse that goes to the front, looks like it's going to actually sluice in and doesn't quite do it. I mean, I mean, Joseph horses have been running really well. I mean, what kind of fitness levels would Buckaroo have been at there? I mean, they always say left a bit to work on, but um, yeah, he, he was, like I said, if they, if there is more to come from Buckaroo over a foot, over a longer trip, yeah, he's, he's a credible outsider at this stage. Mm. Yeah, now just to say now, he wouldn't be a certainty to go to Epsom. 
right. even if even if everything went well in between now and then, just because the type he is physically, I just would, would kind of flag that. Whereas Pizpadil, I know Donica, um is very much out of mind to try to get him to Epsom. Um, Buckaroo wouldn't necessarily be in that same boat. It's not to say he won't go, but um, it wouldn't be a surprise if he didn't. Um, on his pedigree, it's, it's very interesting. The pedigree, actually, his granddam um, was Lechunga, who, who won the, the Albany Stakes when it was run at, um, at York. You know, so clearly all speed there. But then um, they, they sent her to Galileo and got Rohern and Buckaroo's dam. And so she stayed really well. She stayed further than a mile and a half. So um, you, you can read it whatever way you want now. But he, I, I think he's surprised now just how much pace he showed the other day. And it kind of bodes well with how much he's improved from two to three. So, yeah, so wherever he ends up now, I think he's very excited. Well, to finish with the race itself, Vanessa, Buckaroo, the fact that he traded so low in running and, and would have you would have presumed go on to win the race. And then obviously... Pizbadil getting back up to win. Would that concern you, a horse that doesn't quite finish out when he's expected to to that degree? Yeah, I think like we're obviously due to Kevin's contribution, probably like being very generous to Buckaroo and maybe not giving the credit yeah. to Pizbadil, who, you know, did rally back. I know what Kevin's saying in terms of the different types of run in the race itself that they got one, you know, it did favour the winner. The splits the winner got were ideal in part. But the fact that he was headed and then got back up and was so game tight and on the rail to back back at the line I thought it was a very good performance from the winner himself never mind the second and um, yeah I think maybe because of the way Buckaroo travelled into the race like we could be inclined to get overexcited about the second and not give the winner the credit he deserved I just thought he was really tough in the finish and I actually don't like it where they go you know a horse travels like that and then gets to the front and then doesn't go through with it once he gets there I did like maybe it is fitness. How much? Well, I don't know, Kev. Like you'd be able to tell us actually how much is it fitness or fight, though, Vanessa? Like, is it fit? Is it fitness or fight? Like I, 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 I hate to see is that. Is it fitness well. or see. fight? Yeah. It, it, yeah, it's a good question. And the fact is, is like. I, I don't know. Like he was fit enough to do himself justice, and he got to the front. And he said no, thank you. And the other yeah. lad said, yeah, please, I'll take this and put his head down, put his ears back and wanted it more. Um, it may well, well be fitness. Kevin will be able to tell us a bit of that. And we know that Josephs tend to come on hugely for their first run. So obviously we've got to take that into consideration. But I'm not a fan of that sort of behaviour from a horse where they get to the front uh, and then disappoint like that. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you 100%. The reason, the reason that... Um, Brave Kevin's Inca. laughing. Why are you laughing? Yeah, okay. Kevin? But the reason that Brave Inca is my favourite horse of all time is because he just fought all the time. Every time he went out, he battled and battled and battled. I, I, I just, I don't know, Kevin. Is, is that a bit of a chink in Buckaroo's armour that he didn't quite put yeah. head down and say thank you? I'm just looking forward to seeing the rematch the next day now because I like he's travelled like probably a number of lengths more than the winner going around the pad he did. Look, as mentioned, I think I think Joseph has the has the flat team in good form. You know, I think they're forward, but him as an individual like he, he is a big burly gross type of horse like how much improvement there is I don't know it's, it's very difficult to quantify but I'd be shocked if he doesn't come forward physically in a conditioning sense from that and um, there might have been an element of, of him getting a little bit idle when he hit the front too you know he's an inexperienced horse um, but uh, look, the people. This is the, the fun thing. We're all being well, we we'll get to see this rematch. Yeah, and, yeah exactly. And I, 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 I'd imagine Buckaroo will be will be favourite in the rematch. So anyone that, that does read it the way Vanessa does with Pizbadil, um, will get value for him to to uphold that form. But it's one I hope the two of them get there now because it'll be a fun yeah. rematch. Same course and distance. It'll be lovely. 
Yeah, it was a yeah. cracker. What was Joseph's Philly the last year that used to have the, the have, kept having the matches as a two year old with Shale? It was two years ago. Uh, what, what was Joseph's? Oh, pretty Philly? gorgeous. Yeah, yeah, pretty yeah. gorgeous. And those matches, those kind of matches, when you get those matchups throughout the season, you get them early on, like you did at the weekend, and you take them forward. Like you really start to look forward to them. Um, so yeah, sure. They already met. They already met before. They took each other on on their debuts at Killarney. Yeah. Um, Buckaroo fell out of the gates and, and, and ran, finished third. Pispadil won. And we, we it, like if Vanessa's right, we shouldn't be down on Pispadil. Like, like Dunnick has been talking about him since last kind of April, June. Like, he, he's always been a right one in his mind. Mm. And, um, a big win for Ulysses, his sire, you know, for, first crop of Ulysses, um, first group winner. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that was a big and one on for that him. Note, I, I think Ulysses. I I think Ulysses is going to have a really big year this year with his three year olds. There was, you know, he had a clutch of nice enough horses mm. last year as juveniles, but a plenty of them that I saw in the flesh and followed like a little bit towards the back end looked as though they come on hugely. So he started with a bang, and right. he's just. I feel like he could be a touch of value at the moment as a stud fee, and I, I like him as a sire. Although I do think a couple of them have a quirk, interestingly, but. Uh, yeah, he's definitely a side to keep an eye on this year. Yeah, it's, one of the, it's one of those you would have been shocked if they weren't better at three because, like, he, yeah, he's, yeah, obvious, course, he's obviously yeah. son of Galileo, but he's out of light shift, yeah. you know, he's out of an Oaks winner. So, uh, I'd be yeah. in the same camp as you now. I thought I, I was impressed with how they did it too. And, yeah, uh, yeah I don't think Pizpadil will be the only one that'll take a good jump up this season. What about um, Homeless Songs? Then I was really impressed. Dermot Wells' horse, and um, she just kind of swooped through, really kind of held out the back of the field for much of the 1000 trial swooped through the burst of pace that she showed coming from like pretty much the back of the field to sweep to the front, I thought was really impressive. And I would be all over her for the 1000 guineas. Anyone else agree with that? Yeah. Well, she looked like a group one horse in the making um, on debut. Like she was ultra impressive around Leopardstown beating um, Agartha, you know, who went on to do what she did later in the season in group company. Like and she had loads of experience in homeless songs just came from like way off the pace and again just showed a big turn of foot to come get her and um she'd misfired a little bit in, in subsequent outings like I, I think um from memory like I, I think she she she's quite a, a hot filly and um she she maybe let herself down in behavior terms pre-race those days but I wasn't at Leopardstown on Saturday to watch her but um the end result at the end of the race was clearly much better and um Agartha again looked like she might have nicked it turning in um, and Homer Songs was able to run her down and run her down well. So, you know, Dermot Wells, like you'd, you'd always expect, like he's not necessarily kind of a, a March, April trainer. Yeah. You know, it's, it's kind of renowned, you know, as a, as a cold yard. And you'd, you'd always, if you're a paddock watcher in Ireland, like you'd always notice Dermot Wells are always very hairy and, and, and bad in their coats and kind of the, the first weeks of the season. So you always expect them to, to come on nicely from their first runs. So um, for her to do that, um, was a really strong start, and yeah, I, I'd be with you, Hugh. I'd say she's a she's a classic contender now, and, uh, and yeah. by that man again, Frankel, who just seems to be um, lifting it from a from an already high level up to another another level in the last year or so. Fire in the mouth, yeah. decent prodigy, but yeah. I was, gonna, you know, that the turn of speed, the kick she showed. Yeah. Maybe, you know, she's if she does go to Newmarket, which I know it isn't absolutely nailed on that she will go there. But if she did that sort of turn of speed and then the she stay, you know, she seemed to run through the line really strongly. She seems to have all the toolkits, everything in her toolkit, sorry, to get her out of trouble if there was any in Newmarket. I don't think, I think tactically she'd be well suited to there. So I hope they do run her there. And I was quite excited by her actually after seeing her at the weekend. Me too. Yeah, absolutely. Dr. Zem, uh, Tony Calvin, did you, did you see his 2,000 guineas trial? I wasn't overly impressed, to be honest with you. He's 33 to 1 for the 2,000 guineas now. 
yeah. don't know if there'll be too many people biting at that really, will there? I um I thought like most people watching, I imagine everyone expecting him to to me be a six furlong horse, no. Um and I, like, it didn't really excite me, no. And I think 33 to 1 is, is pretty much near the mark. I think you'll get a lot bigger than that on the exchange. But no, it's yeah. uh obviously it's a good comeback, but yeah. As a as a miler, not for me. Not for me either. His, his me. pedigree doesn't like his, his pedigree doesn't isn't really a classic pedigree. Um, by Dark Angel and out of a dam who was good as a juvenile and didn't really train on at well did train on but didn't progress anyway at three and has already had an offspring that followed a similar pattern. So it'd be interesting to see if he can kind of continue to buck his own family's trend of and develop on as a three year old. He was a bit too keen in the early stages, but I didn't, I don't know, I didn't, I didn't, I'm not sure how much of that form is actually going to stand up from that race. I don't know what Kevin thinks, but that was my reading of it. Kev, can I just say something to you? Go on. Do you ever know that you're my hero? <laughs> wow. Beautiful. <laughs> We've got a request Making for that. I've been practicing all weekend. Uh, win my wings, Kev. Well, seven to one, I think SP or thereabouts. Um, as you said, she would absolutely go out, take them all in a merry dance, and piss in, and she did so. Nice one. Yeah, I was probably found. My, I was listening back to the pod the other day, and I found excuse. I was unusually bullish there, but it's, it's nice when it works. It's nice when it works out. Um, yeah. And yeah, it was an easy race to watch, wasn't it? Like it was, it was much the yeah. same as the either. Like. There I was, I was down in the cafe in Cove watching the race on my phone and I was kind of letting a few yelps out of me there, turning out of the back straight. I was, I was worried that, um, that Rob was going to get there too soon on her and he probably did. Like he ended up hitting the front, like four out, I think, because he just yeah. jumps and travels and mm. I, I, through the race, I was thinking to myself, Jesus, Rob, would you, would you ever, you know, bury her a bit? You know, he was kind of, the, the outside was available to him the whole way there and he, he, he kind of. I thought he might talk a bit more, but she's still clearly, I, I thought she won the either like a mare that was kind of, you know, a, a class above that. And like, she's gone and like one even better here. You know, it's almost a pity for, for the connections that she wasn't rated quite high enough to get into a grand national because she, mm. geez, she, she'd be a right one for that. And that she'd be some ride in the grand national. Um, So I don't know what the plan will be for her now. Like she's going to get a feral hike for this, but um, yeah, brilliant performance from her. Brilliant performance from Christian Williams, who is getting lots and lots of plaudits, and justifiably so. You know, to have to be sending out you know one twos in races like this is not straightforward. And, uh, Tony, yeah, did you back great, her? Basically, yeah, yeah, it was great. Did you back her, TC? I know, I know, she wasn't put up necessarily, but you, you, you were not as long as the lads. Were. Oh, it was like, like she was. She hit about eleven point five. She was back late. Yeah, so I, I ended up back at about three or four in the race, and. And she was one of them, so it wasn't a great. But yeah, I mean, like, it's just that performance. I mean, so what's she going to go up? Maybe twelve pound minimum for that. Um, Surely, yeah, is yeah. Is clearly a class apart. And it was it. We had a, got an interesting question. We'll, we might as well bring it up now. I mean, Karen Blair said uh, in relation to the jockey Rob James, mm. uh, sh- is, should we close the loophole about having these usually talented and experienced uh, jockeys claiming seven pounds? Is it? She cl- she clarified she uh, classed it as a loophole and it's an interesting thought, isn't it? Because everyone everyone beforehand say, oh, the jockey's stealing seven, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Should we look into that? Um, it's very rare you see it, TC. In fairness, like because most young jockeys these days they kind of come via the flat route 
And a lot of the, like, and it's almost a disadvantage because by the time they go jumping, like they've used up a lot of their claim and they're at a disadvantage, but you get a situation like this. And we had another one um, that's really played out in Ireland this year, uh, Shane Fitzgerald, again, who kind of had a more steady introduction to the game and wrote plenty of point-to-point winners before really getting stuck in on the track. And all of a sudden he arrives to the track with, with loads of experience and a seven-pound claim um, oh. over jumps. You know, so it, it is rare. Um, and I don't know if you'd, you'd go about, clo- if you wanted to close it per se, you know, I think you'd almost have to open it at the other end so that those that ride a load of winners on the flat you know, you know, don't have to come in. I remember Danny Mullins is a great example. You know, it was a bit of a, a superstar when he initially came on the flat and wrote out his claim very quickly and then got heavy and had to switch to jumping, you know, on level terms with, you know, Ruby and Barry Garrity, you know, which is obviously, you know, tough on him if you want to look at the other side of the 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 the, the claiming system. So um wouldn't be against having a look at it, but I, I don't know. I think you, if you if you want to have a look at that side of it, you have to look, have to look at the other side of it too. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, win my wings. Uh, obviously, we'll talk about Eclair Surf and maybe the connotations around that win uh, for the Grand National next weekend. We'll get to listener questions as well, including one in particular. Um, listen, what's the weather forecast like for Aintree this week, Tony Calvin? Um, but in terms of, the, I, I think it's supposed to be booking down. You put up a photo in a WhatsApp group where it looks like it's going to rain every single day of the week. And then the question of it is, of course, about the clerks of the course and how they manage the track. Will they actually water it? I and mean, if they do, what kind of ground would it be by the time we get to Grand National on Saturday? Obviously, the, um, the Cheltenham executive can probably uh, underline this. It's an absolute nightmare, isn't it? I mean, I got that text first thing yesterday morning. Went and had a look at my other websites, and they basically said the same. Um, and that was without the 19 mil that was due on Sunday. So if that's a day early, it's God knows what it's going to be like there. But but then by the time I went to bed last night, it was only six mil all week uh, on the BBC site. They wake up this morning and they've had seven and a half mil overnight. So I don't know what's going on. Um, it's currently good to soft. So yeah. You never know. I mean, there is a bit of rain forecast. It's just how much they get. I mean, obviously, on that wet Wednesday at Cheltenham, there are only some sites was forecasting two mil, and they end up getting 24. So, and that was on the day. So, God yeah. knows what's going to happen. But come on, Calvin, you're the clerk of the course. Make the decision. Are you turning on the water or not? Well, leave it off. Obviously, <laughs> seven and a half mil last night's made the decision very easy, isn't it? Well, and I suppose we have to just bear in well, mind as well, with a view to Saturday that, you know, we've been blessed, I suppose, with the, with the National in recent years. It's been largely uneventful from the from a bad story point of view. But don't forget, like, that there is a real um, need, well, not quite a need, but there is a big desire there to have the ground, like, on the safe side. It you know, be. that, that like, they will, if there's any doubt at all, they will water. Yeah, okay, yeah. Natural, natural or not, it will be yeah. soft. Okay, okay. Um, can yeah. I ask you, Vanessa, um, I read Lydia Hislov's piece looking into the uh, the review on the Robbie Dunn-Briony uh, Frost appeal case. Um, I also read an article um, subsequently in the Sun newspaper, I think it was as well, which was pretty excoriating about um, the appeals process itself, the comments that were made by um, the uh, presiding officials in charge and those tasked with, um, I guess, weighing up the evidence um, in terms of reducing the uh, ban or not. And Lydia wrote a pretty strong piece originally. That was the first piece I read, followed up in the sun, which basically seems to suggest that this um, was almost predetermined, that Robbie Dunn's ban was going to be um, cut predetermined to whatever evidence was given uh, throughout the appeal. And I actually came across like an old boys club who were more than happy to sit there and pour scorn on the initial verdict and um, the case itself, uh, while happily kind of sitting back and, and absolving any one responsibility for upholding the original sentence. What was your view of, uh, I guess, the appeal process itself? Um, 
I wasn't surprised like many that it was reduced. I was surprised um, quite how much it was reduced by, but I wasn't surprised that there was an appeal and then the appeal was heard and the ban was reduced somewhat. Uh, but definitely the length of the ban reduction, I was a bit surprised by. And then obviously, I think like many people, I didn't listen in to the hearing, but obviously the likes of Lee and Lydia Hislop did. And hearing them talk and write about it afterwards, it the whole thing just seems very disappointing. It seems as though it feels, from the outside anyway, like that was a very backward step. Um, it feels as though there was an opportunity to be strong on something that in the modern world, in the modern, <laughs> in the public eye, as a sport, we should have been incredibly strong on. And it feels as though um, we weren't that strong on it. And there was a decision to backtrack, basically, which is ultimately a bit disappointing. And and when it all came out in the news, I hadn't actually read kind of Lydia's piece midweek when that came out on Wednesday or Thursday when it was. And I got a message which i just wanted to read out to you from like a middle-aged white man right but yeah. intelligent well-read and follows sport to a very you know very large interest in all sports and is a you know dedicated follower of racing but doesn't work in the industry right and he wrote to me and said god reading about the appeal hearing into Bryony is sickening will racing ever ever learn that we're in the 21st century and times have changed Another reason why the sport won't exist in 25 years. It's all very, very depressing. And then a few lines I can't read out, followed by the evidence that the evidence that the Nathaniel Boys Club still rules racing is very depressing. Lydia's column is excellent and Lee Motter's head too. Mm. And, you know, that's come from somebody who doesn't work and live in our industry. And to read that, I just thought, and then obviously I read I read that and then I followed up reading all the details and I just thought he's right. Like it is depressing. It's depressing that in the 21st century we can't be strong on something that's pretty, you know, important and we could have taken a really big stance on. I understand it's an independent appeals panel. I understand that, you know, those in the, you know, it was an independent panel. So they, those small collection of men <laughs> chose to go the way they did. But I just find the whole thing. Yeah, pretty depressing. I feel for Bryony. I feel for Robbie. You know, it's been a very long, drawn out, pretty painful process for both of them. Hopefully now we can draw a line under all of this. But ultimately, I don't I think a lot of people have been shocked by this latest development. And I think rightly so. Tony, what do you think? It does seem like reading the transcripts that this was an old boys club just rubbing their hands really at the prospect of being able to overturn what they had from the outset considered to be an unfair punishment. That's how it reads. Yeah, I mean, you look, if you're a columnist, if you're a commentator, then there's only one, you, you read that and you, there's only one way to go. I mean, racing do like low-hanging fruit. They, they pluck it, they run with it. They can be very strong with it. Nobody's, if you come out massively strong and massively against it, nobody's gonna, nobody could actually challenge you because obviously it's, it's there in black and white. Sean Boyce has been excellent. And obviously, you mentioned the written article. Sean Boyce has been excellent on Sky Sports Racing on this. And I listened to him yesterday. He, he said after 10 minutes, he, he just re he wrote down extraordinary intervention from, from, from the chair, uh, Anthony Boswood. So clearly, it was only going to go one way. And I've got nothing much, much more to add than, than, than what everyone said, really. It's... It is disappointing, and it does read. It does it read absolutely terribly. I mean, the most offensive thing is that he was given credit for trying to get in a room with her, uh, with somebody else, and 
and, and what was he banging heads together? I mean, Jesus Christ, this, this is a man who's like, you know, it's stood naked in front of her, you know, giving it what for. And you, oh, yeah, you're really going to go in a room with him, aren't you? Afterwards, yeah. if he's intimidating that much. Well, it, I, it, it's disappointing all around. And obviously, Bryony Frost is a big loser here. People have pointed out how, you know, how few rights he's had. I'm not sure if that's because uh, she's been in Ireland a lot more. So it might be an unfair comparison, et cetera. But yeah, it just reads absolutely terribly, doesn't it? Well, I just, I guess, Kevin, you know, finally, last word to you on this one. But if you were, if you were looking at this and you were, you know, a future um, potential complainant in a case similar to this, would you, would you put yourself through what what Brian has put herself through over the last couple of years, given the length, the duration that this has all taken, given the, the, the I guess, the, the huge amount of outpouring on both sides of the initial verdict itself. And then subsequent to that, what has happened now with this appeals process, which just seems to be almost predetermined. Would you put yourself through any of that? Yeah, that's a very fair point. And um, I suppose it's easy to be a bit disconnected to this, you know, if you don't have a direct involvement. But, you know, try and try and think if that was your daughter or that was your sister, you know, and it's panned out the way it has. Like, it's not a very nice thing at all, you know. And like, as, as the lads have said, you know, no need to repeat it, but just reading, and I wasn't sitting in on the thing, I'm just reading relayed comments, but the whole tone of the thing and the, 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 the interactions between the, the legal teams and the fact that the, the chairman had, you know, ridden with one of Dunn's legal team, you know, back in the day and the, the, their interactions, you know, it, it almost read like satire. You know, if someone produced it as satire about, oh, this is what horse racing's regulation is like, you know, you'd probably chuck along and go, that sounds a bit ridiculous, doesn't it? But it, it was real. It happened. <laughs> you know, and it just, in this day and age, it just puts put a, puts across such a poor image uh, of regulation in the sport, you know. And, and that's not to say that the decision that they reached was right or wrong, but just perception. You know, it, it was just really, really, really poor. One, one last thing, you. One thing when I was reading it, and one thing that echoed back to me was that ITV interview with the PGA chair, John Holmes, where he said, oh, if she felt she was intimidated, if she felt she was bullied. Yeah. It, it, the tone of that really led me back to that interview. And I, I think someone like Holmes has got a pretty lightly here. Um, obviously, Obviously, Paul uh, Paul Shrubbers, um, you know, resigned on, on the back of that. But yeah, I mean, the whole tone from start to finish, from the, the officials involved, some some commentators on TV, some ex jockeys, it's it's it all blends in together, and it's it smells. It does. It does. Okay, we'll move on, gents, if we can. We've a lot of listener questions to uh, get through, and um, some of which were answered during. The last 20 minutes or so. Um, in regards to the National, Ollie Burkett says, with the unpredictable forecast next week, in your opinion, should they be watering the ground for the National? I guess we just covered that. And it's, uh, it depends on your opinion. But as, as Kevin and the guys mentioned there, um, it'll be safety at all costs, I think, this week. So if on defence about it or if in doubt, I think they probably will end up watering. And, you know, whatever price that is, then so be it. Liam D says, lads, given how close Tiger was to Delta, Tiger rolled Delta work in conditions that didn't suit, do you think Michael O'Leary is having regrets now about the weekend? Given Delta's price, Tiger would be one of the favourites. I wonder what Katie Walsh would think if Delta work wins. Uh, I don't think they're regretting it. Anything no, good? you can't keep having this Tiger roll story every no. No. race, no. can you? That he doesn't run it. <laughs> No. Yeah, no. imagine they hadn't pulled him out, and we're we're going to be left for up until the uh, up until the declaration stage. Will he? Won't he? Imagine how unbearable that would be. Oh. <laughs> at, least, at, least, at least they called it early. <laughs> That's the only one good thing about it. I mean, imagine <laughs> imagine the bet for exchange market winning uh. 
entered oh. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. We like watching Home and Away. Have a good Tuesday night. Tony Hawkins says, is Kitty's Light going to be a plot job for the entry national next year? Doesn't qualify this year. It's only a six-year-old. And surely will be initially aimed at the Beecher Chase in December before heading to Aintree. Anyone know Kitty's Light? Is that- yeah, what, a, what a stupid rule that is, by the way. I don't, I don't like that at all. If, yeah. they're, if they're in a position that they can run in the national at six, if they've shown the required ability and uh, attributes, you know, why wouldn't you let them run? It'll, go to, it'll, go to, it'll probably go to right or wrong in the Bet365 at Sandown on the final day of the season, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah, um, he's got a, he's got he's got the right sort of rating now. Well, we'll see if he goes up a pound or two for for the Scottish Grand National, but he's going to be in the right rating zone. I'd say Christian Williams might be tempted to give her um to give him sorry a, an Irish prep for the national next year if he, if he's yeah. if he's happy to and you know bring her along steady away with a view to landing them there uh, off a low weight. Okay, Bradley Limo says if it gets really heavy in entry with a PC grade, think of calling it off like they nearly did. With the bumper at Cheltenham? No, they won't. Absolutely not. <laughs> no, 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 hey, you say that, Hugh. Nothing would surprise me these days. Honestly, the safety police, safety used ironically here. Mm. It Like, there's nothing... I honestly... I know that is obviously a complete long shot and clearly would be a thousand to one to happen, but, you know, you just That's wouldn't get past these people. Yeah, but I tell, I tell you what, lads, if you if you're a, lads and ladies, if you're a fresh faced young fella like me, you mightn't remember it all that well. But go on to your YouTube there right. and get a get a bread marauders grand national. Yeah. <laughs> Just ask yourself, couldn't yeah. you see that happening nowadays? Absolutely wow. no chance that haven't called right. off. <laughs> okay, couple on um, Eclair Surf Boxman says, how far does Eclair Surf win the national by, and will he go off favourite on Saturday? And Icy says, what's the shrewdest bet in the Grand National when Eclair Surf doesn't get in? So Icy Tony Calvin um, has been picking holes of people who have been drawing the form line between Win My Wings and Eclair Surf. And he says, oh, you're all a bunch of spoofers, basically. That's I'm, And, I'm, and Dan Barber's been dri- driving the bus. Yeah. Uh, Barber, <laughs> yeah. So, so where are you on the Icy thing about, um, yeah, this, this horse won't even get round the bloody trip? Or are you with Dan Barber you should be favoured? Icy's full of shit again, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> it yesterday, and like I said, I wasn't, apparently it was 33 to 1 after the race, uh, Eclair Surf after, after Win My Wings is win. So obviously I wasn't there. A terminal on have been getting stuck in there. I, mean, I, I looked at the race yesterday morning when he was 20s pretty much across the board, and a lot of firms are betting non one no bet. And obviously, you get your money back if he's balloted out. I mean, 20 to 1 was still too big, wasn't it? And he was 14s across the board by the end of the day. I'm not surprised. Yeah. I mean, he, he, he can race off the same mark as when second to win my wings um, at Newcastle with the Ida. We, we've already discussed win my wings is going to go up a, a, another 12 pounds. and you so know, logic dictates, therefore, yeah, you know, even me with my ninety pounds and fourteen stone weight comprehension, I can still see. I can still see <laughs> that's an advantage, right? Obviously, the mayor probably improved again a fair chunk, but even even you go back to the Warwick win of a class, uh, he, he's, he's got a he's got a massive chance, and obviously he's a front runner as well. He's going to be out of most of the trouble. Um, you know, know. People say he can't jump, but it may, from a, from a handicapping point of view, very very few will be better than in than, uh, in than him. Okay, excellent. Joe Chambers says, will they rename it the People's Elbow after Brahma wins? Well, yeah, this is in relation to, obviously, the Rock Brahma Bull, the People's Elbow, the one of the most signature moves, Kevin, in the history of WWE wrestling. Ah, TC loved that reference. It was all (laughs) over it. (laughs) And it was straight over my head. Hey, TC, what what did you think of that Brahma Bull reference? I, I text it doesn't Joe. matter what you think about the Grammar <laughs> Bull reference. I text Joe and I said, what the, well, I won't tell you exactly. I, I, I said, what are you going on about? And he said, yeah. 
Oh, it's the first wrestling I've ever watched. It's great, isn't it? If you, uh, no, if you smell what the rock is cooking. <laughs> Magic stuff. <laughs> okay, good stuff. Um, Sid says, team thoughts on which national debt Judy goes. Market reacted to Gordon Elliott tipping for the Irish, but may yet run an entry. Price has come back since in the English market. I don't know. Debt Judy, um, probably the Irish market, I'd say. He's sending a battalion over in Gordon Elliott, but probably the, I'd say you go for the Irish one at the very house. That would be my guess anyway. Um, Adam M says, given the weather, weather forecast, how many races will go off with less than four runners at entry this week? Less than four, Adam. Oh, no. None. None. Hopefully, uh, less than four is a brave shout, but there's going to be some pretty pathetic fields, isn't there, in class yeah. and quality and quantity. I was having a quick look. I mean, I was well. I mean, I wasn't. I wasn't taken by many of the races. First in Fridays at the uh, the five days. No. I hope they some do. Of, some of those grade ones would. I don't even know if they'd be graded races in class. With what's mm. entered, but anyway, uh, hopefully yeah, two hopefully turn not. up in the Melling Chase. That'd be nice. Hopefully not. Hopefully not. <laughs> <laughs> Stuart, Stuart Ackister says you might touch on it anyway, but surely we shouldn't still be having situations like Newbury on Saturday, where there was a ridiculous amount of non-runners in the morning. Yeah, that was uh, they were all falling like flies, really. But uh, what can you do? I don't know. What can you it do? was like, it was good. Like, it was the worrying thing. You know, it was good ground. I'm not sure what the time said afterwards, but mm. um, it was a bit strange to have mass withdrawals because of good ground. Yeah, well, that's a bit strange. Alex says, do National Hunt breeders even bother looking at black type anymore? Surely the point of black type was to have a highlighted pedigree for future offspring, but a grade two winning mare, winning a ra- winning with a rating of 109. That's a rating of a middle-of-the-road flat group two winner rather than a National Hunt horse. Well, Kev, you, Alex, you yeah, the National Hunt breeders do bother looking at black type. He's got likes of Kevin Blake just going yeah. around mopping up, mopping up bits <laughs> of black type like a sort of... Squirrel, it's impressive <laughs> from him. He, it's, you know, uh, that's why he's the king of race planning. There's a load of horses through. in Joseph's yard that shouldn't have any black type at all, but do <laughs> thanks to it, it is it is a stupid system. Let's let's be honest. Uh, like we, we mentioned the possibility of this happening there on, on racing only better as well. You know, you have two mares there, the winner and the third, who've run off a mark of 110, and they now have grade two black type, one of them big grade two black type. Like it's silly. Like you think back to the origins of black type, like it's there, it was there for, you know, 30 years ago when people didn't have the internet and they couldn't go go through form and see what's what, you know, it was meant to signify excellence, you know, a level of form. And now clearly the world has moved on massively. We don't need such a system because anyone can pick up their phone and go back through, you know, 10 generations and find out what they want. And um, yet we're still persevering with this system. And it, what as, as, Question was the overall system is, you know, giving out black type for handicaps. I've just never, ever, ever been comfortable with that. And like, this is the, the prime example of why it's a silly thing to do. Like grade yeah. two black type for winning the handicap of 110 lads. Oh, oh no. ridiculous. Sam Hill says, anything impressed the team from Leopardstown the weekend? I think we went through all that. Um, homeless song for me. Yeah, incredible turn of foot. And uh, she'd be my fancy at this stage for the 1000 guineas. Golf analyst says, ask Kevin, who on earth Adrian Murray is? Yeah, Adrian Murray's been on the scene for quite some time, but why he's coming to prominence now, I suppose, with the with the ammo horses is um, he'd have an association with Robson Aguar that would be very closely associated with ammo racing. Um, Robson's an interesting guy, Brazilian, and used to work in Bally Doyle, has been doing a, a great job since going out by himself. He's, he's a top breeze-up consigner now and is a big, big part of the ammo team and does a lot of um, does a lot of their pre. They might do all of their pre-training. And um, they tend to hold on to the horses until quite late until they send them to the trainers. And um, with that pre-existing relationship with Adrian Murray, he, he's benefiting from it as well. And it was great to see Kia. I, I raced off to Cork yesterday and Kia was there um, to, to see his two winners. 
and the ammo colors uh, seems like he's going to have a lot more runners in Ireland. He seems to be enjoying the, the joys of Cork race course. So yeah, he's going to be well, an interesting factor in the, the Irish racing scene now. He's very hands-on, doesn't he? Mm, yeah, he's got, he's got plenty of plenty of opinions. You know, I suppose he had a, a high profile switching of trainers away from Rafe Beckett and I, last year. And I suppose he was very um very straight and open about it. He said, Look, I, I like to have a good bit of input, and it wasn't really suiting Rafe, so I decided to move the horses. So yeah, and, and um, one of the inputs was that anyone who spells the name or a l p h is pronounced Ralph and he wouldn't listen to me. So there you go, took my horses away, and well done for doing it. Right, Pegasus Racing <laughs> says, What do you think of the newish precinct of taking off in large chunks out of replays where a horse has fallen or sustained an injury where they were subsequently put down. It's like admitting there is some, something systematically wrong with our game and we are trying to hide it. Um, okay, I'll just, I'll just give you my thought on this one, obviously just from um, a television context. I, I totally disagree that just because you're not showing a horse where screens are going up or a particularly poor injury, that there's something systematically wrong with the game and that people are trying to hide it. If you think back to Christian Eriksen, that, um, his, his horrible injury in the World Cup, but actually people thought he was... You know, uh, you know, on on the way out on the pitch, you, the TV cameras did not show him struggling on the ground when it became apparent how serious the injury was. They showed everything but that while he was attended to. The same with horse racing. Why would you put, cause unnecessary hardship to people sitting at home watching racing who want to see the good of the game? Uh, injuries do happen. We all know that. But why would you make people any more upset than they need to be by focusing in on a horse in distress when nobody really wants to see that? I don't accept it's part, uh, you know, a parcel that there's something wrong with our game just because we can't show this. I think it's just common sense for television directors who don't want people to be upset unnecessarily. That's my view. Yeah, I, I, I like we got this question in yesterday, and I just thought I just thought it was a great question because it does divide a lot of people. And and since it went up, someone who's uh, works on a, a racing channel and obviously does obviously does their website and decide what goes on and what doesn't go on as regards taste and injuries and deaths, etc., horses and races. He actually said this splits people right down the middle, and they say they are very very angry and very very vocal on this. But one camp says. You know, listen, horse racing is all about finding the next winner. The primary source of that is going and watching videos and watching races. So I can see that point of view. And he just says, look, you know, if we if we carry these races in their entirety, it'd be like uh, carrying, you know, a library of death. And so I, I just said to him, I said, why, why can't you have two options whereby if you want to see the racing in entirety, one option and another option for you know the edited version and i don't think that's a palatable uh answer either it, it's a really tricky one personally mm. given given the per kind of person i am then i'd rather it was an unedited version and i can watch the race um you know when, you know when you click on bbc at the moment you're seeing dead bodies down the road in, in ukraine side streets and stuff like that i mean I understand the sensibilities and you might need to get permission from the owners, et cetera, but it's a really yeah. tricky one, but it's a, I don't, okay. I don't know where okay. I, was, I do know. Okay. okay. It, it's, it's, uh, now there is a kind of a potential compromise. I'm near, Vanessa might know, I'm nearly, I, I saw it. I think I'm nearly certain it was on Sky Sports Racing. They showed a replay where, um, a horse had broken down. It was quite a high-profile example. It's just not on the tip of my tongue at the minute recently. And when they were showing the replay subsequently, they actually pixelated and the horse, yeah. you know, in, in the background that, that yeah. had a, that yeah. unfortunately had a broken leg. And it, I thought it was a good way to do it in a way, yeah. because I'd be with Fair TC, enough. like so, some, you know, sometimes things happen in those, in, if, if, if you're going to cut out the whole sequence where, where the unfortunate horse breaks down or what have you, you can't actually miss 
the, quite an important part of the race. So, you know, it's, it's, sure, oh, yeah, yeah that'd, be, our sensibility, that'd be a fair solution. That'd be a fair solution. Pixelate, I, think, yeah. I, I think that might be the, the, the best of both yeah. worlds. It's definitely yeah. also okay. been like not in the sky days, I don't think, but I'm pretty sure in the edit suite in the past, I have been asked, especially in the old ATR, to cut. So, like with the camera angles, you can do a clever cut. So, you yeah. cut to maybe the head on rather yeah, than yeah. the main side shot so like if an incident yeah. happened over here you cut okay. the head on and you it means that you don't miss any part of the race you just match it frame by frame but you don't see the horse but of course okay. all that takes time and resource and i'd actually be with you Hugh, that i i think sometimes i think it's best just to cut these things out and um, avoid the issue okay basically. okay there's some interesting solutions, though, perhaps, if people do want to look at this. David Rich says, thanks to the issue being highlighted on social media, Arena have backed down from the £31 charge for Monday's card at Windsor. Is this another issue where the racing media seems to sit back and say nothing due to not wanting to upset the track owners and to protect themselves? I don't think, I don't think, I think racing media, you know, have been pretty vocal on, on overcharging and, and I guess the value for money on a lot of issues, certainly. Yeah, I, I think um, the racing show. media in the main are so far removed from the realities on the ground because you know, at yeah. the end of the day, we, you know, they all get in free and I include myself in that. And you get um, catering late on. Um, so a lot of them are kind of, I suppose, blissfully unaware of it rather than yeah, kind of deliberately enough. ignoring it. Okay. Mark Zanelli says, I'm going to... Okay. Mark Zanelli says, I'm going to the Irish 2000 guineas. Flight's £123. Return. Hotel, £100. 80 quid to get in and a two-course meal. It would cost me that for a train from London for our 2000 guineas. Prices are ridiculous here. The last meeting I went to was Ferry House. Great crack. Mark, um, Kevin and I will be at the Curra for the 2000 guineas. Come over and say hello. And we will go and have a few points. Yeah, um, we, we talked Blair's about this only a few weeks ago, Hugh. Like, I think Irish racing maybe doesn't do a good enough job kind of promoting, you know, the, yeah. the how, how how good value Irish racing is, especially mm. to the British market. Because as Mark has laid out there, like it, it compa- I mean, if you compare like with like top meetings with top meetings, like yeah. you, you'd have an awful lot more money in your pocket uh, traveling over to Ireland and staying in a hotel and going racing rather than perhaps uh, training it down to a big English track and then paying top dollar to get in. So it's yeah. um, it's something that we take for granted over here ourselves. I know you, you still get people complaining about entrance Absolutely. costs over here, but it compares really well. Uh, Karen Blair, we, we answered this one, Karen. Should they close the loophole for experienced amateurs still be able to claim an allowance? I think we dealt with that on the old Grand National. Rich says, a technical question. When a horse is reported to have lost a shoe in running, how much difference would it have made? Is it meaningful? Thanks. Very quickly, Kev. Is it meaningful? I, um, there's, it, um, Kev, I things would differ. It's a difficult thing to quantify. Um, like Traditionally, you'd say the softer the ground, the less it's going to matter. But on fast ground, so you can imagine yourself. I know we're, we're, we're two-footed animals, but if uh, you can imagine if, if you have a bit of unevenness there, it's hardly ideal. Um, but on soft ground, it wouldn't look and look devils in the detail. If they pull off a chunk of foot, you know, they might be a bit sore on it quite, quite quickly. Um, but generally, if the ground is soft, it's probably not going to be something you want to be marking them up too much for, I don't yeah. think. Fair enough. Paddy says, why do we have a British champion trainer jockey unwilling to try and win at the highest level? Hughes barely riding at Cheltenham or Aintree, while Nichols says he fed at Cheltenham, made him look uh, gone at the game, shadow of the man of train corner. I think it's just priorities, isn't it, Paddy? Like, I mean, if, if, if Hughes decides I can I can get more winners by avoiding Cheltenham or Aintree that week and go elsewhere for the rise and he wants to go and win the jockey's championship, then he's going to do that. Same with Paul Nichols, who's targeting different festivals and has a different target than back in the days when he had Denman and Connor Star. So I guess it's... It's just not priorities, it's opportunities. I mean, the, the vast majority of trainers at Brian News Rice probably don't have runners at eight. Exactly. 
And even if they did, he probably knows he's no chance. So, I mean, what, you have to vary it with your way up, you know, where you're going to find your best chance of return. Um, Sam Hill, not to be disrespectful, Sam Hill says, anything impressed the team? Oh, yeah, we saw that uh, the weekend. Golf analysts, uh, we know that one as well. Um, Vaughn Lewis, could you please expand on the done appeal and significant reduction of the ban, which appears to have set back the drive towards equality that the sport has been pursuing? Yeah, Vaughn, we, we dealt with this, and I, I agree with you. I think it's a real kick in the teeth um, from the original verdict and for... Uh, people looking at this as well as, as a mechanism by which they could go through in the future and settle incidents like uh, Bryony uh, went through. But uh, anyway, look, that's the way the verdict is at the moment. Pete Hodge says, uh, your views on underrated flat jockeys going into this season, David Egan and Jason Hart for me. Anyone else stand out? Underrated they're flat not, jockeys? They're not. Those, those two lads, I don't think, are underrated, are they? They're like pretty much rated. Mm. Both of them yeah. had a mm. great year last year and will continue, I think, into this season. They're definitely two lads on the rise and they've got, like, David Egan especially. I think he's, yeah. you know, he's going to end up as one of the best in the, in the world, I'd say, like, in times. Mm. in he's just very talented. And Jason Hart's had a great time of it and has obviously had, like, slightly bumpier road, you might say. But it seems like, you know, last year, if he can back that up now, uh, yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a yeah. whole clutch. I think there's some really talented lads and lasses on the flat, actually. I think there's it's a good time for flat racing, jockey-wise. Great. Yeah, okay, TJ says... Give a shout for one in, in Ireland. Uh, Mikey Sheehy is, is an apprentice. I'd give a shout for um, himself and Dylan Brown McMonagall both started with Joseph around the same time and kind of Dylan... Um, build momentum a bit faster, I'd say, but I, I never had a huge amount between them. Now I think they're both two very talented lads. Mikey yeah. is gonna is gonna ride a lot of winners this year. I think. And I hope Frankie Dettori has another go with Dylan Brown McMonagall this season, and uh, Dylan lays him out with a left hook to the side of the head. <laughs> anyway, um, TJ says, do you agree with the flat jockeys title not starting until the Guineas meeting? Do you agree with that? No, I don't no? agree with that. I always okay. think that's such a random thing. Okay, yeah, met, I've completely lost track of how they do this. They change it so many times. I don't think anyone cares. <laughs> it changes so many times, and we're all supposed to like kick off with the flat season at Doncaster. But then it's like we started back on the flat, but we're not actually going to count any of our wins until all the way yeah. until the end of April, start of May. It's just bizarre. Don't you give it a toss anyway, do they? Yeah, it's it's not cares. really based on a meritocracy, is it? If you're kind of Nobody fixing cares. it so that the the bigger guys will win it. Exactly. Yeah, Steve Railton. Steve Railton says, Jens Champ wins, um, oh yeah, 20. what is it, to 20 RSA, sorry, 2020 RSA. And the second and third in that race massively progressed since. Champ goes backwards. How much of this is down to the form and quality of the three respective trainers? Or was it just an outstanding ride from Barry Garrity on the day? Yes, it was. Barry Garrity on the day. That's what it's all about. Yeah, Plus, maybe I, Champ, Champ had a sitting then. Yeah, and I think that the front, the, the other two probably got caught up with themselves as well and probably did too much in front. But I think Champ has had physical issues since. And yeah, I, I say that might say, be, they might be holding the Mac. Champ's a yeah. croc, isn't he? I think he's, yeah. you know, struggles, struggles physically. I still yeah, sour okay. over they'll end up getting beat that day. That's good. I know, yeah. I know. Last two then. Mulzer says, flat's back and it's always difficult enough to switch to the belly mindset with entry and punches down still to come. Any clues on how you work this time of year? Tony, how do you work this time of year? Do you just pretty much ignore the flat until after the guineas or until the guineas come up? Yeah, pretty much. Pretty yeah. much. Okay, yeah. I think <laughs> the process is probably going to be smoother for most people now just, just because the, this year, because I just think the ground is better. And it just because often you have that couple of weeks where the ground is particularly soft, you know, and I think that makes it especially difficult. But with a decent surface now, at least, I think it, it'll start making sense a bit quicker than it normally does. Okay, and oh, finally, hopefully. then, um, Craig with the last question says, Is Antoine Dupont the best rugby player in the world? 
And what horse would you compare him to? Well, the answer, Craig, is yes, he is the best player in the world. And he's the little guy, little tough ball of speed, taking on the bigger, older horses. But it has to be Persian Force in the 2000 Guineas this year when he goes to the <laughs> 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 Build it up there. I thought you were going to get shoehorn Tiger rolling to get enough. <laughs> No, oh. no, Persian Force, when he downs Luxembourg in the 2000 Guineas, that surely is the answer. Receiving 90 pounds. 90 pounds, seven stone. Yeah. Um, but thanks to Vanessa, to Tony Calvin, to Kevin Blake, and nice and short and sweet this week. Um, but we've got to all your questions, which we are always delighted to do. And thank you for taking the time to send them in. We have an entry preview every single day this week. So make sure you tune in to Racing Only Better for that every day this week and uh, enjoy the racing as well. Okay, cheers, guys. Talk to you soon. <laughs> <laughs>